there's always another podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. I'm Justin, and as always, I'm joined by... Baldur's Gate Beth. One time Sam. And I'm Caleb. Good that everyone is here. I hope everyone is still here. (laughs) Yeah? Okay. At one time I was. At least once. (laughs) Does the one time refer to... Do we get you for one episode, one chapter, just one, like, line? Are you done now? No, this is one time that I'll be here. Okay. And then there will be other times as well. This is just one of them. That's right. Great. You bamboozled me. But you only get the Sam of today one time. Unless we record multiple episodes today. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Everyone read quickly. (laughs) There have been times that I've been very tempted for like the very last chapter of a book or something for us to read all but the last chapter, record, read the last chapter, and then come back and record more. But (laughs) it's difficult to be practical with the length of episodes that we do when we already set aside three hours for recording right Right. yeah i don't know if we'll get that far this time this is a somewhat shorter section it is but there's a lot to talk about (laughs) yeah we we have a a wide variety today uh with this being our first interlude episode uh, that is our first episode about the interludes and not our first episode labeled interlude because we've done three of those. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're going to be going to some uh, some very different places around Roshar today. Uh, and then when we we get back to uh, part two, we'll get to we'll get to meet some new folks and and see where that's gonna go. A lot of new folks. Oh, yeah. Shit. So many new folks. Warning, the (laughs) casting segment's going to take a while today, dear listener. All right. So yeah, uh, I think we can go ahead and get started. We have have three interludes. As the the interstitial page tells us, we have Ishik, and then Nonbalat, and then Zeth. Uh, So we'll start with Ishik, uh, who lives in the Pure Lake. Uh, And I I posted a brief summary of the four chapters that we've read, and about half of this chapter is the Pure Lake sure is an interesting place, isn't it? <laughs> the Pure Lake, I, I, oh, look, I, I don't have any illusions about the fact that this is the Cosmere. Some horrible apocalyptic thing is probably going to affect the entire world of Roshar at some point. But as of right now, Man, sometimes I wish I could just be a pure laker. I just, yeah. <laughs> just walk around, chilling, getting fish. This is all I need. I think this may be the best place that we've seen in the Cosmere. <laughs> it's it's yeah. up there. I got some like Ernest Hemingway vibes off the vibe here. Very uh, laid back mm-hmm. and nice and beachy yes. and. Yeah. It just seems like anxiety does not exist here, and therefore I want to be there. <laughs> Reminded me of how much I want to go to a swim-up resort. Yeah. Ooh. You know how there's, like, swim-up bars at some resorts? There are resorts where, like, instead of sidewalks, it's like a pool. Yeah. I want to go to there. Just walk out the front excellent. door and uh, get in the water. So, yeah, we, we meet Ishik who is a fisherman who lives in the Pure Lake. Uh, and he's just kind of living his life. He's going around doing his fishing. 
there's there's good luck there's bad luck uh the fishing hasn't been uh been great today but you know sometimes the fishing isn't great also worth noting in terms of what's what's going to happen in this interlude uh i've been taking notes of which of the the faces we get to see at the beginning of each of these chapters and this mask jester gentleman at the top uh, sure isn't one of the 10 that we see bordering the uh, first uh, couple of pages. So huh. already I'm freaking out. <laughs> and then it's like, I'm, I'm going overboard looking like, who's the jester? What does that mean? And I look at the inscription. And I'm like, ooh, that almost looks like the glyph, the glyph graph that we see all these circles connected by lines, this, this logo that we have for the interlude. And then we get to Ishik and it's like, oh. Oh, no, this is relaxing time. This is just yeah. chill. Everything's fine. <laughs> just having a good old time. Yeah, we get to see Ishik just kind of going about his, his day, talking about the fishing. Uh, we get some some very cool descriptions of the Pure Lake itself, as it is just this entire kind of wide expanse of calm, shallow water that uh, you can just... You can just live in. So nice. <laughs> and, and he fishes with buckets. And he does fish with buckets. Or Which at least he carries buckets. the fishing buckets. Uh, oh, well, I guess that's true. What I pictured was like him just kind of sweeping a bucket around in the you water. You probably could. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I, I, if, if I, during the course of an entire day, almost caught one fish doing that, then I would consider that a pretty successful day. <laughs> Victory! I almost got one. <laughs> this one's going to my live journal, baby. <laughs> I do have to wonder about the foot hygiene of always having your feet submerged in water. Wouldn't that give you some sort of fungus or something? Maybe the pure lake is just that clean. It's the pure lake. That's exactly what I was going to say. There's no funguses here. See, this is the kind of things that I worry about in this our world, and I wouldn't worry about if I was a pure laker. <laughs> I'd just be chilling with my feet in the water. Ishik makes his way over to Mabes. Uh, it's a kind of a restaurant or an, an inn of some sort, because uh, there's some some foreigners who he needs to meet up with. Uh, but he takes some time to... Uh, kind of banter with with Mabe. I, I like the uh, this whole thing that they have going on where, you know, one day they're going to get married, probably, but uh, it isn't going to be today because of this weird balance of, of favors that they've got going on. <laughs> I, I love this chapter so much. <laughs> I'm a fan of feel-good writing. I also got, like, chef vibes off of this, you know, just, like, chilling out making food yeah she gives him a bowl that's shaped for easy slurping which the phrase shaped for easy slurping i was i, I was like band name no song name no and i'm just gonna leave it at make up your own joke here <laughs> unfortunately for ishik uh he does have to to go chat with these these visiting foreigners uh and they run on a, a somewhat different timetable uh, as they say that he's late and he says well it, i it's it was supposed to be today right you know i i got that right and they say yes but but noon and he is baffled by the concept of really an exact hour that's just unnecessary 
There's, I also just love the sheer contrast here of it's specified that they try to keep their feet out of the water because they're worried about funguses. Um, <laughs> it's it's been established that this world is entirely free of anxiety and these three are all stressed out about something. It's 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 really fun to just see how what two different worlds these sets of characters live in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but what, like meet us here at this specific time man who doesn't have a clock <laughs> you're just setting yourself up for failure <laughs> there's also uh like there there is a real thing on different cultures on earth have different attitudes towards how precise one is with time and so sometimes you know if you if you schedule an event for you know friday evening at four what that really means is Friday evening sometime between 3.30 and like 7, and we'll get started whenever everyone shows up. But yeah, the uh, the main focus here is the uh, the meeting with these, these three people from elsewhere. And uh, Ishik doesn't really bother with their names. He just makes up nicknames for each of them. <laughs> uh, so we have... Uh, Two who are, are darker skinned, though they don't look like Ishik expects them to if they were from Makabaki, or Makabaki is the country. Um, and then one has uh, has lighter lighter skin. Uh, the There's one he calls Grump, uh, who is, is kind of stocky and bald. Uh, there's a, a, a taller one who he names Blunt. Uh, and then the third one seems kind of more more pensive and studious and names him Thinker. So we we have these three here, uh, and they have a uh, a question for Ishik, which is, "Have you found Hoyd?" Which is a question that we have all asked at various times. <laughs> what's what's he up to, man? What's he doing? What is he up to? And uh, Ishik says, "No, I got nothing. He I I looked around. I asked around." haven't haven't seen him and they try to they try to press him on this and and he says you want me to start making things up i told you i haven't seen him <laughs> there's also like i i also very very much sympathize with ishik here because he's like yeah you described him to me and i didn't hear any stories about that and grump goes well he doesn't always look like that and it's, it's like okay then what do you want me to do then i'm trying my best <laughs> mm-hmm Y'all seen you a guy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Have you seen some guy? <laughs> it's like, oh my god, I just, I just want a missing poster that says, "Have you seen me?" And it's like a, 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 a silhouette with a question mark. On. <laughs> <laughs> like a who's like, that Pokemon silhouette? Yeah. <laughs> the Facebook default avatar. Yeah. <laughs> I made, I made a, a where's Hoyd uh meme for the instagram that was like where's waldo and i just mm -hmm. love to picture like picking up a where's waldo book and on the first page it's like you have to find waldo now in this particular book he won't always look like waldo <laughs> he might look different <laughs> and just no further information uh, i also really like the concept of this god that you have to mm -hmm. pretend you don't i was gonna in. get to that next That's like really in, the cool. of this, in the middle of this search for hoid we just get this really neat world building concept where the pure Lakers, they worship New Relic, but out loud, you always, you, you worship Voon Makak, who is his very jealous brother. And you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to make Voon Makak mad by, by worshiping New Relic, unless you're in a sacred glade, and then you can do that. 
And it's the only time we see Ishik get stressed. It's like, what do you do? Don't say it out loud. Come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna get the you're gonna give up the jig. <laughs> so yeah, the uh the the search is uh is not going well for uh for finding Hoyd. Uh these three have not been able to to get any information and they they try to press him a little bit more. They end up arguing amongst themselves a little bit. And uh, yeah, in the in the narration, Ishik's like, yeah, I I tried. I I asked around, tried to to see if I could search myself. Couldn't find him. Oh well. And uh, at the end of the 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 meeting, they they head out to keep looking. Uh, they say it's a it's a fool's quest, and uh, and that's that's enough for Ishik. And uh, we're gonna be done in the Pure Lake for a bit. Wild chapter. I I have I might have some things to talk about later. <laughs> I'm wondering if we should actually just get into this now. You know, going as these are three entirely disconnected chapters. Uh because I I pointed out last episode that uh these three foreigners, I think it's I think it's pretty clear even without being pointed out. Two of them are clear to me. I'm actually the third one I'm not 100% sure on, but mm-hmm. two of them I I know. Uh, I would be surprised if you knew all three of them because one of them we haven't met yet. Damn it. But, uh, <laughs> but these these are three people from off of Roshar, two of whom we know, uh, and I'm wondering what uh, what we think is going on here. Who's who's looking for Hoyd? Besides us. <laughs> I missed that. I didn't. I didn't. Uh... Okay. I didn't cotton on to uh, them being people we knew. It's weird because once you like, once you piece it together, it's like, oh, okay. So that feels like it's probably that. Except, what the fuck? Why? So it's it's one of those. It, yeah, I have no idea why this is happening, but yeah. it's it's Raiden and Galadon, is it not? <laughs> uh, you are. Oh. You have you have one correct there. Oh, is there still one that I'm wrong about? I think I think Galadon is the most obvious. Okay. Uh, when you, when you know what you're looking for, Caleb, I'm curious what uh, what was it that that tipped you off? It was um, I started getting suspicious. Um, well, first off, as soon as they were looking for Hoyt, I was like, okay, these are probably offworlders. I wasn't sure if it was going to be someone I recognized. Um, and then the thing that actually made me really suspicious was one person's name is Veo. And another person's name is Temu. And Veo is a very Aeonic name. And Temu is a very uh, Dula name. And so I was like, oh, wait, that's really weird. And also one of them is super grumpy. And uh, (laughs) then kind of the confirmation is um, uh, towards the end, Grump says Kayana, which is a word he used a lot um, in Elantris. Um, So Galadon, yeah, for sure. The guy named Thinker is not Rayodin? I like I know the description is off, but also I just figured like Galadon should be glowing, so he's clearly putting on some sort of disguise. <laughs> I figured Rayodin also just had a different disguise that was not meant to look like Rayodin. But yeah, scar across the I, 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 I saw scar across the scalp and I was like I figured that was supposed to be some sort of giveaway, but I couldn't tell for what. So, yeah, so uh, Grump, you've successfully identified. This is, in fact, Galadon. Uh, One clue that I actually didn't 
notice until quite recently when it was pointed out to me. Um, there's a, a bit of a behind the scenes thing here, which is that there are magical ways in the Cosmere to speak a different language without actually having to learn it, uh, which is what they're doing here. They're kind of being magically translated, uh, which means when when Grump is repeatedly end, ending sentences with understand. Uh, and friends. And yes, he is. I did pick up on friend. Friend was a vocal tick that I was like, that feels really, that gives mm -hmm. Elantris vibes as well. That was another one for me that that felt interesting. The the understand in particular is Colo being translated. Ah, that's cool. And friend is Sule, yeah. Mm, Okay. Okay. It's kind of cute. (laughs) Wait, so if I'm wrong on, how am I wrong on two counts? Okay. My other thing was, because we don't... Okay. It took me a while to come up with any guess for Blunt. I had no idea who Blunt was. My Blunt my, my blunt guess was going to be Shuden, because it seems like he is also from Elantris. He has dark skin, but he has an Aeonic-sounding fake name. And he also, according to... From what we could tell at the end of Elantris, has some kind of magic. So it seemed like... <laughs> it, it seems like he might be recruited for some kind of cosmic mission. Um, I thought for sure thinker was Rayodin because that's all they talk about how Rayodin's always thinking so uh blunt we don't know yet uh at least in the point that we've been reading in this podcast uh we uh if if you look through all of the Cosmere we have met blunt elsewhere but we can just kind of ignore him for now uh (laughs) thinker we only saw we saw the um the the balding and the uh scalp scar very briefly uh when he was reintroduced in hero of ages uh this is captain demo what is it really oh he was fucking balding that's like one of his only character traits (laughs) (laughs) so to uh to paraphrase caleb's message to me after reading this chapter i think i know who but that only makes how and why more baffling. <laughs> and perhaps more so now that it's like, they aren't even all from the same planet. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're converging from multiple places. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, that... Uh, I don't know. It's a nifty Easter egg, but it kind of sours it a little for me, actually. The, the calmness of the chapter of just like just kind of a fun little thing yeah and then the and then three of the characters turn and wink at the camera remember us wink i think at this point the only thing we really need to be taking from this is things are kind of ratcheting up one step uh cosmere wise where it's not just hoid we're going to see other characters moving around from from place to place and they might get a little more involved than hoyd was before and so this is this is your first sign that this is a thing that is allowed to happen now interesting i i was i understand i kind of get where you're coming from sam and i know like in the in the mcu whenever there's like a cameo that was not advertised the camera's always like look look and clap look at this cool connection that you didn't expect isn't it so fun to see it but if I was directing this, I would probably like 
handle it the same way as as the book seems to be doing it of like don't really call attention to it like we'll see their faces but we're not gonna like there's not gonna be a musical swell there's not gonna be like lingering on like look it's galadon i would just be like (laughs) yeah and the camera like slowly pans over these couple of people that ishik is talking to and if you're paying attention to be like hey what why the fuck is galadon here and if you're not then too bad scene moves on i think it's I think it's very fun how little attention is drawn to it. See, this the, the problematic part for me though is uh, I don't know about y'all, but um, when I was in class, it's still today. I just graduated. I forget every single fucking word of the class that I finished after I hit submit on the final. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> So I remember who Galadon is. I remember who Demo is. Both lovely people. Um, in my in my distant dancing memories. So I I'll just I'll need to have like a cheat sheet, like a running cheat sheet of everyone <laughs> we've ever met or something. Uh, it's cool my though. My brain does in fact eject most information from the previous class, but latches on to useless tidbits that I will carry with me forever. For instance, it takes about one newton of force to lift a small lemon. (laughs) (laughs) I will know that till the day I die. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Fuck yeah, it is. Yeah, and Brandon has been pretty clear. uh, This has changed somewhat very recently in terms of of books that just got published. Uh, But he's been very clear that each Cosmere series can be read as a standalone. And if there are cameos or crossovers, they are for the most part going to be fun things that give you uh, some extra backstory or some, you know, a a little bit, a little bit more extra. There's a couple of, of recent books. I think rhythm of war and lost metal in particular, he has said, I expect that you've read a decent amount of the Cosmere at this point. Uh, and that will be relevant, but that's a fairly recent thing. So, Sam, I don't think you have to worry about, like, I'm not going to know what's going on if I don't remember all of these characters, uh, at least in the next several books that we're going to read. At least not yet. <laughs> all right. That's, yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's go to our next interlude where things are not so chill. Jesus yeah. Christ. We go to the 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 hills of eyes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we've uh, we've spent some time with uh, with Shalon Devar in our previous chapters, and we've heard about the things that she's trying to do to help her family and how her brothers are trying to keep things under control back home. Uh, and so we're going to check in with uh, with Non Balot who is is one of her brothers who is trying to keep things under control back home uh and we open the chapter with him torturing animals oh boy what a what a normal dude yeah i didn't expect this to be the brother because we've heard this name once before uh shalon does think back to seeing Nanbalat with like his his cloak scorched or something mm-hmm. and i assume that was going to be like ooh, that's some bounty hunter or somebody that was coming to attack her 
And then we get here and he's like, oh, I miss my baby sister. Also, I'm a little psychopath. And it's yeah. it, every, all of my expectations were, were uh, flabbergasted. Yeah, one thing. I don't remember when we actually learned this specifically. Um, but I, I think it, it helps clarify things name-wise. Non is an honorific uh, because he's the eldest son. So he is non-Balat Devar. Which I, I think can be confusing with it looking like a first and a last name. But yeah, this is this is more of the Devar family. And uh yeah, he's uh he thinks that he in his own mind he's doing okay in the current situation. And he talks extensively in his narration about how he enjoys torturing and killing animals, and it's really uncomfortable. Yeah, that's the wildest part. It says later in this interlude, quote, only Balot had escaped unscathed. You you sure about that? You sure about that? <laughs> you sure not you're people, not though. the most fucked up of them all? Not people. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't hurt people, though. He would never hurt a person, and that's all that never matters. Never people. Ever. <sighs> Just small animals. Just the little ones. They're so easy I, to kill. I draw the line. <laughs> Yeah, we see Balat and the uh, the little crab that he's kind of picking apart. Uh, we see Scrack, his axe hound, who is a dog, but crab. <laughs> crab dog. I'm crab dog. so excited to see the axe hound illustration. <laughs> and yeah, like Balat is, at least in some respects, trying to just have this normal, if stressful, life while he's torturing crabs and who who can blame him you know <laughs> me i can blame him <laughs> it's it's literally like magnifying glass torching the ants like that's that's what yeah. this is <laughs> and he ruminates on the fact that like oh i've pulled its legs off but it's still alive but you can't tell it's basically dead oh god like me it's like poetry it rhymes <laughs> but yeah he's he's contemplating the situation that the the devar family is in he's saying i i should have gone and done more but we we sent shalon away and we were making her do the the hard part and you know it's it's never going to work and what and what are we what are we doing here uh but uh one of the one of the other brothers uh wakim says that uh, there's a, a pretty big problem and we don't know what it is. We're going to have to see more with the Devar family perhaps later. Do we, we got do a we problem. Have to? <laughs> yeah, to, can we just not? <laughs> big brother, I ran out of crabs. I also enjoy torturing them and you're hogging all of them. <laughs> that's that's the problem that I came up with. That's the problem. <laughs> big, big problem. Route of crab. <laughs> I mean, the net effect is here, right? Like, it's just it, my 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 paint. My picture of Shalon is irreparably tainted. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. Anyway, next chapter. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's check in with someone else who's doing well and normal and good. Ishik really set the bar high for for how <laughs> yeah. well people are doing this chat this this section. I mean, this one we did know. We were told this was going to be a Zeth interlude. And uh, I, I think I would have put money the first time around on Zeth not being in a cheerful place, at least. 
it's been five years. He might have lucked out and yeah. and gotten better. <laughs> I mean, we we do learn that he did like he's gotten away with it. He has not suffered any actual like legal consequences for assassinating the king of Alethkar, but he's he's ended up in a a pretty down situation anyway. Yeah, not doing great. Um, before we get too far, just because I, I don't think there's much to talk about in theory section, so I'm just going to talk about it now. Um, Nonbalot's header has, assuming these are these are heralds, we're looking at the faces that we keep seeing. Um, he has the one that I've labeled Little Page Boy, and that's the first time we've seen that one. Um, and um, for Zeth, the Glory of Ignorance, we get uh, what I've labeled Calm Enchantress, which is interesting. This is the first time we have seen a different character get the face that someone else has gotten um, because this was also in a Shallan chapter. Mm-hmm. I can't tell if there's any meaning. I might be doing all this for nothing, <laughs> but it's fun. Perhaps. So yeah, we, we find where Zeth is now. We are reintroduced to him as Zeth, son, son, Volano, truthless of Shinovar, uh, except now instead of wearing white on the day he was to kill a king, he is sitting on the floor of a crummy bar what we do see is some more information on uh, what has has happened or what it's not yet clear what like how one becomes truthless uh, but we see what that that entails for the rest of the world uh, which is that as as he said before he will do whatever he is commanded to by by people who hold his oath stone except for take his own life which the the took who is his current master uh demonstrates which is also weird and fucked up <laughs> but yeah this uh this just like random nobody named took uh has has come upon zeth's oath stone and has this immense power uh, that he's not using to do a whole lot He's just kind of showing off to his buddies and getting some free drinks. Uh, so weird. It's the <laughs> whole the whole um, provenance of Zeth so far is very strange. Like something, something. The Parshendi had him, right? And then they ditched his oath stone, mm-hmm. and then somehow it got in the hands of a farmer who sold him to Took for a, a sack of beans. <laughs> but they were magic beans, you <laughs> they see. They were magic beans. <laughs> I expect us to go back to that farmer's land and just see like a beanstalk or something. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. It's a little silly. It's the opposite of silly, to be clear. It is like, I would not want to be Zeth. He's having a bad time. It's bad. It's real bad. <laughs> but it's weird bad. <laughs> Right, it's strange it bad. He's a weird, fucked up little guy for sure. <laughs> he does note that at least some of this is his own kind of portrayal. Uh, he, he says that one does not ask a wretch to assassinate people, so he he has been to the extent that he has any agency at all. He has been trying to portray himself as this kind of you know, miserable, barely existing person who will gladly do menial labor for you and probably nothing more so than that. He's he's hoping that people don't get ambitious with, with what he could do. 
No one must know that I am the world's greatest killing machine with magic that hasn't been seen for millennia. Fair enough. Let me go empty this chamber pot. Yes. We also get a first from Brandon here where a character starts to give a speech and then the POV character does not listen to it. But it's like a definitively bad speech that we get to skip over. It's it's, <laughs> it's really quite terrible. And so where, it's nice that we don't have to hear it. Where Took is just making up utter nonsense. Yeah. Brandon saw that this was a trope of his and was like, I can weaponize this. <laughs> I also feel like, I, I feel like Took's friends here are kind of missing a uh, missing a point where Took tells this whole story about how Zeth will do whatever he tells him. And then, and then Zeth says, yes, that's exactly true. Like Took would have told him to say. <laughs> we don't get their reaction to him saying it's true. Well, I guess I guess we get them like turning to Zeth, mm-hmm. heeding him as if as if they hadn't just been told that he'll do whatever. Took also <laughs> does just leave right after this, so maybe he he knows that he's uh, he's run out of time there. You got to leave him wanting more. Yeah, and then uh, like a page later, he just gets killed in the street, <laughs> and. This this is just like an unlucky break here. He took just attracted a little too much attention and got mugged and killed. And the uh, the people responsible for this are are going through uh, the the loot they've obtained, which is almost nothing, uh, except for this oath stone. And uh, Zeph informs them quite directly once they they pick it up. That uh, they're holding his oath stone, and as long as they possess it, they are his master. And as he says, ain't that something interesting? Which does not seem like a good sign for for Zeph here. No. I really didn't think anyone would be competing with Kaladin for having the worst time. But <laughs> Zeph sure is giving him a run for his money. Yeah. Yeah. Now I just want these guys to, like reenact the whitest kids you know sketch with the genie uh so there's a sketch on whitest kids you know the awesome sketch comedy show uh where a genie like does a kid's three wishes and his first wish is i want you to kill my teacher and so the genie like gets a sniper rifle <laughs> Wait, so, so. Um, but the best one is like I want to be president and the genie goes door to door and like <laughs> campaigns for him it has to achieve the wish like in a practical manner <laughs> so I just want these guys to be like I want you to kill the king and he's like we're in like Wyoming yeah. it's gonna, okay. gonna take me a while okay are you oh, gonna pay you. for my transport <laughs> so uh, yeah we will uh uh, I, I will say, uh, because we'll we'll discover it the moment that we finish part two, uh, we are going to get another Zeth interlude in our next set of interludes. So we will be able to to check back with him, but it will uh, it will be a little bit because we are going to get to head into part two, the illuminating storms. Uh, we have three characters who will be following in this part. Uh, we've seen Kaladin quite a bit. We've seen Dalinar just once, uh, and 
we have yet to meet Adolin. And yes, it is pronounced Adolin. Says you. No. No, it's not. <laughs> it's Adolin. It's Adolin. It's what are we nuts? Wait, <laughs> <laughs> Sam, what was that? <laughs> it's Adolin. Sorry, no. guys. It's Adeline. <laughs> it's actually Adeline. French, so it's Adela. <laughs> yeah, Adela. <laughs> oh, this is exciting. Beth and I are usually not on the same page for the pronunciation wars, but now we're we're here. <laughs> oh, we, we've buried buried the uh, Hrathen hatchet, the hratchet. And found ourselves here. All right. Well, before we start uh, part two itself, uh, we get another map. Can I just... Me flipping this page to 182 and 183, I don't use the metaphor like a little kid on Christmas very often. But I like... <laughs> I, I legitimately struggle to figure out what I should be taking notes on first. Because we get a map, interesting things happening with the heading, new like chapter logo... Epigraph is all over, like, completely mm -hmm. different from usual. Mm -hmm. And then we meet, like, ten new characters. I was like, I, my, my, I had to, like, sit down for a second to process all of this. Um, but indeed, in my notes, I said, okay, map first, first the map. This is a cool fucking map. So let's talk about the map. We start to get some sense of what the, uh, the Shattered Plains actually look like. We've heard about this this kind of vast region of plateaus and canyons. And it is a lot of plateaus and canyons. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of gaps that you need a bridge for every single time. Don't put it there permanently, though. Only on the really early ones. They've Yeah, they've got some. You would think with this war having been going on for several years, they could have perhaps pushed those bridges further and further out. But uh, no, we'll just we'll just throw bodies at it we also get a note that this map is from his majesty elicar's gallery of maps could you imagine going to the gallery of maps in a cosmere <laughs> world my god <laughs> oh god i've been <laughs> i've been writing it wrong i i had the uh the h and the k flipped and my notes for, for King Elokar. I feel like the entire Colin family's names are just hard to keep in the right order. I keep wanting to say Davilar instead of Dalinar. It's yeah. like, it's, they're a little too similar, so the consonants really are easy to swap. Sam, I'm pretty sure that, that consonant swap, I'm pretty sure I said that to myself for quite a bit when I first read this book, of, of calling him Elkahar. Yeah. Yeah. Elkar. <laughs> yeah, no, that's just that's just a thing for the Colin family, I think. Even Yasna, I read and thought, okay, I can pronounce that, and then I got to the podcast and found out, nope, you had that wrong. It's it's, <laughs> it's not Jasna. Just a just a control F on my notes for Elkahar. Seventeen results. <laughs> God damn it, Sam. No, you're you're definitely not alone in that one. I'm keeping it. I'm not changing it. <laughs> that's that's fair. I'm going to live with my failure. That is your right. <laughs> but yeah, this is a... Uh, we, we can see the scale of the war here. I mean, we, we see the 10 war camps, which are quite widespread. Like, that's a track between all of them. So this is this is a massive undertaking here. I tried to figure out which one was Sidious's, but it's it's really hard to tell. <laughs> and then as we get to 
chapter 12, Unity, uh, we have a couple things here in the chapter header. We have two different faces. Yeah, uh, sure perhaps, do. Perhaps being united <laughs> in some way. Uh, we have a new cool looking tower and crown logo. Uh, and then we have the first few lines of a letter, which are completely different from the epigraphs that we've been seeing before. Uh, and as it turns out, each part of the book, uh, our epigraphs will change what they're from. Oh my God. It's <laughs> too much. There's too much happening. I love it, but there's so much. <laughs> so yeah, we have uh, the, 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 the greeting of a letter. It says, old friend, I hope this missive finds you well, though as you are now essentially immortal, I would guess that wellness on your part is something of a given. And we First shall off, have to see where the letter goes from here. First off, fascinating. <laughs> Second off, from what we have seen of both um, Mistborn and Elantris, very bold to assume that someone who is immortal is having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> the next epigraph is just, to be clear, I'm talking about your like physical health. <laughs> like physically, you're probably fine. I'm not going to comment on sort of your whole mental situation. Total, total toss up. And then the next chapter is, oh, and also, like, if you're Hoed or something, like, that's different. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I'm just, I hope you're okay. Yeah, I shouldn't have even pretended, like, I can't find the whiteout anywhere, but pretend you didn't read that that part about it's a given. Let me let's, start over. Yeah. Old friend. <laughs> let's, let's start over. But I must continue with Sparse's detail. Space is limited. <laughs> <laughs> And then we actually get to start chapter 12, where we meet a good portion of the Colin family. Boy, there's a lot of them who are all relevant. <laughs> Starting with uh, King Elokar, who is, uh, we, we heard in the, the prologue, uh, is Gavilar's son. So he has, he has inherited. Uh, and he is being very kind of bold and kingly here as he is, is declaring that it is a good day to slay a god. And Sidious agrees. And Adeline fucking hates him. <laughs> yeah. I'm obsessed Ooh. with how quickly the beef between these two is established. Literally clenches his fist in anger. <laughs> <laughs> it put him on edge every time Hybrid Sadius spoke. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, the the kind of pinnacle of Alephi nobility here aren't really making a great show for themselves, are they? No. Yeah, this is a uh, this is a hunting party. We're out on a uh, you know a good old fashioned uh, hunting expedition. We have King Elokar here. We have uh, two high princes, uh, both Sadius and Dalinar, uh, and a third as well. Uh, is it Vama who is here? I think the third one i believe so yes it's not clear if they're like present but they will be at the hunt yes uh and then both of dalinar's sons uh adolin and renarin are also along on the trip and even just from the the physical descriptions as we're getting the the kind of layout of everyone here uh we can we can tell some things right away uh, we there are several people wearing shard plate on this this trip. We have the king who is wearing very ornate golden shard plate because it can be it can be painted and decorated, uh, and it it makes you look impressive. It, you know, just 
put this on and, and you are an imposing figure. Sadius as well has, uh, his, his plate is, uh, is red, has some decorations. Uh, Adolin's is, is blue. Uh, he's, he's added some things to the helm to make it look dangerous. Uh, and then Delinar has gray. <laughs> he didn't spring for the extra paint package. <laughs> no, he, uh, he didn't get the, the DLC. <laughs> extra skins <laughs> i i love that i i absolutely believe elokar would like buy all the dlc just because he has the money for it sadius would because he wants to show off like oh i have all the stuff adeline would get like one dlc that i think looks really cool one dlc costume and dalinar would be like nah i'm fine with base game it's no. fine no <laughs> we're, we're gonna roll with the gray it it came with the game works for me <laughs> i refuse to engage in microtransactions Hell yeah, Dalinar, I stand by you. <laughs> but what he does have is a really cool horse. Yeah. Rushadium's <laughs> got a lot of a lot of play this chapter. <laughs> yeah, we've got we've got all this awesome armor, this grand hunting party, these dope ass horses. Dalinar is suffering visions and delusions. Dalinar may be insane. Yeah, uh, that's a <laughs> that's an issue, and and. I really like that we we start this chapter, uh, or we start this this section even uh, with Adolin, with looking at looking at Dalinar from someone who is very close to him and cares very much about him, uh, but has to to see these challenges that we've only heard about them. We haven't seen exactly what's going on, but. It's a difficult decision, you know. Adolin says he's he's thinking about his grandfather when he when he got old. He started started seeing things, and it, you know, as as his mind started to go, and it's it's not something you want to see happen to your parent. Yeah, I think you make a good point of like how introducing this through Adolin's point of view really gives us an an interesting perspective. Because if it was from like kind of an outsider view, it would be like, oh, there's that old man. People used to respect him, but he's kind of going crazy. Um, if it was from Dalinar's point of view, I think if, if that was the first perspective we got, we'd be like, oh man, yeah, I really, I, I support him clearly. Like he's, he, he doesn't know exactly what he's doing, but I'm rooting for him. He's, he's trying his best. And yeah, the fact that we get it from Adeline is like, it's kind of sad that he's seeing this and he wants the best for Dalinar, but also is legitimately concerned that he is kind of not all there anymore and that something's mm -hmm. going wrong yeah i feel like it you know like the way it is this this question is initially framed of like what's going on with dalinar is he okay what's happening it's it it frames it in a very real world way like we're in a fantasy book someone being plagued by visions there's a larger question of like is this some sort of mystical prophecy shit going on what's going on here but like framing it as like my parent, who has this stellar reputation, is not the same mentally, and I don't know how to deal with that, is, like, felt surprisingly real to me. Yeah, and to even, like, the grandfather detail, it could be that this is probably, a, like you said, some sort of prophetic vision that's going to be very important to the plot. I'm very much assuming that. But um, that could run in the family. It could be the grandfather was running the same things. But my current guess is that the grandfather just had PTSD. Like that's, this is literally just a problem that has happened in the family before. 
Dalinar, I'm assuming, is going to be special in some way, and the visions do have legitimate meaning. But the way the grandfather's uh, affliction is described, it sounds like he is just having actual flashbacks. And yeah, like you said, it 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 feels very realistic to show this viewpoint in the way that it is portrayed with Adeline here. Meanwhile, while Adeline is trying to to work through this, uh, Sadius is just kind of being an asshole. He's you know talking about his his great accomplishments, the the gems that he's gotten, uh, and uh, the the king says, you know, you, your your courage is is very impressive. You should be proud. Uh, and Sadius gets in a, a comment on how, you know, it, the the competition hasn't been as as good, and even even those who were the best will eventually fall off. And Adolin is uh, ready to throw hands about this. <laughs> I don't like how you get when you're around Sadius. I don't like how you want to kill him. <laughs> how you literally <laughs> want to challenge him to a duel to the death right now. I don't like that. It is the first line we get from Renarin is like, do we have to be so close? And Adolin says, no, I want to hear what they say. And like from that get go, you can interpret that as Renarin going like, come on, you're just pissing yourself off. We really mm-hmm. don't need to be here for this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Renarin is, is kind of trying to distract him. He says, we've got this this exciting hunt. Isn't it a, a grand time? And Adolin is a, a bit less impressed. He doesn't think that the, uh, it, you know, it, it. he says it's it's just butchery in the end of it. Uh, now, duels. Duels are exciting. Though that's something you can, you can get, uh, you can get your, your, blood pumping about and then uh renarin's other attempt to to keep adolin distracted is uh should have uh maybe you should have brought your girlfriend to come along and apparently that hasn't been going well <laughs> which one i was about to say yeah <laughs> one's like well that was yeah i can't not because i got there's two there's a couple <laughs> fucking casanova over here but it's not his fault that his relationships burn out quickly. Surely not. Well, then he also says this time it was his fault. But, you know, yeah. minor details. <laughs> Am I out of touch? No, it's the women no. who are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then we do get to, uh, very quickly here, we get to to Dalinar's POV. Yeah, so we'll, we we get to, to Dalinar's POV and we'll see how he's handling uh, trying to to keep things you know going properly with the king and all that uh, and he has some other things on his mind namely the phrase unite them which apparently has uh has something that he's been thinking about quite a bit lately we can't think about that yet because the king runs away because the king does some uh he is a in in Dalar's mind a foolish boy uh who he has to correct himself is 27 but is acting like a foolish boy. (laughs) Spinster. He's 27. (laughs) But then as as this kind of impromptu race kicks off and Dalinar has to go chasing off after the king, a little bit into it, he's going, oh, you want a race? Okay, let's have a race then. (laughs) Let's have a little chase, you and I. Adeline, you have command. All right, sure thing. First order, Sidious, you're dead. 
That would be a god tier move. <laughs> Guards, execute city. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, t- he turns to Renard and goes, This is why I wanted to be so close, because I only had like 30 <laughs> seconds if this ever happened. Chick and mate. <laughs> All right. L- literally every time that Adolin is, is near Sadius, I'm just going to be assuming that he is judging. Can I kill him? Can I kill him? Can I get away with yeah. it right now? <laughs> Playing the 3D chess in his brain. Is it time yet? <laughs> Would be kind of awkward when the king gets back, though. I swear <laughs> it happened on its own. You left me in charge. <laughs> it was the Barshendi. He's <laughs> got like 10,000 witnesses. <laughs> he fell into my shard blade 27 times. <laughs> He started it. <laughs> <laughs> a binding legal defense, yes. Sorry, just one more. If King Elokar isn't back in 15 minutes, I am legally allowed to kill Sadius. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so yeah, Dalinar uh, does have a bit of a competitive streak in him as well, and uh, is is not going to let his his childish nephew beat him in this silly race uh, until the very last moment where he realizes that maybe the king should win this race and uh, and backs off just a bit and Elokar claims the, the victory there. And then some glory Spren show up. Yeah. He's he's mighty proud of that. I love Spren. Is this... Is, are you trying to... Are you like... Is this a mantra that you're trying to convince yourself? Or... A declaration of fact. It's a it's a bit of both. Yeah. I do I do like the the vibe of like oh it's you know this el- fundamental aspect of energy is happening glory this unique thing, um, but also it's kind of baiting Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> the only the only way I can justify it is if it's just trying to make visual effects from anime real. Like he just gets to the top of the tower and he starts sparkling, and the explanation is because there's glory spread around. Like that's that's the only way I can get on board with this. It's I I need I I, I need Brandon to just flat out say that's why the spread exists. It's just so I can describe anime visual effects, and it makes sense for them to show up. Is that in the annotations? <laughs> yeah, can we, can we pull those up? That's my one question for Brandon when I get to see him at a con. You know what is actually hilarious? I, let me double check this. Uh, because at a certain point, Brandon ran out of uh, free time to do annotations during all of his revisions. Uh, which is understandable because the man does so, so much. Uh, <laughs> and the precise point that he stopped doing annotations is the end of the way of kings part one (laughs) so we have literally just left them behind (laughs) we're flying blind brandon brandon get back here (laughs) get back here and explain anime i i don't remember who i've told this story to but um, I was dog-sitting for Justin once, and I was trying to watch some JoJo while I was dog-sitting. And so I did turn to your dog and shouted out loud into an empty house, Kaladin, welcome to anime! <laughs> <laughs> so that phrase has been said in the English language <laughs> before. 
I like unironically, if I ever do get to ask Brandon something, I'm I I know he's mentioned he's a fan of Berserk. I do want to just like flat out ask him, is Kaladin and Syl supposed to be guts and puck? I like I just need that to be a hundred percent confirmed. In the meantime, I'm going to jokingly keep coming up with other questions that I would ask if I get the one opportunity. And right now, number one is is Spren just making anime real? Is that why they're here? <laughs> so we'll we'll try to keep it to 15 questions or less on your one question for Brandon. Yes. <laughs> so the, the race here has concluded. Elokar is basking in, in his glory. Uh, and they, from the, the top of this plateau that they've climbed to, they can, they can see uh, their, their destination. They have found a particular plateau that they were that they were aiming for. Uh, apparently, there is a large chasm fiend that lives around this plateau, and they are going to uh, hunt it and claim its gem heart. Which is gonna go great. Which is gonna go great. So great. They're just gonna cheese archer it. That's yeah. They're they're camping the whole time. That's the plan. <laughs> When you start to hear their plan, I'm kind of with Adolin on this hunt not actually being that exciting if it goes according to plan. So you're saying we sit here until you snipe it a hundred times? Yep. Yep, that's right. I also, I couldn't help but picture these two at the top of this plateau overlooking this massive landscape. All I could think of was, may it never change, uncle, and may it never change us. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Elikar's mood does... Uh, fade pretty rapidly uh, as uh, one uh, Dalinar makes a, a bit of a, a conversation misstep and says you know it, it feels like when, uh, what me and, and your father would do and uh, Alucard is not a huge fan of, of comparisons to his father who casts a bit of a long shadow as we, we come to know uh, and then also we learned that Alucard is, uh, is uh, fairly paranoid which, again, I think is understandable given what happened to his dad. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, he is quite intense about uh, keeping himself safe, even like at night in camp. There is a weird... I understand that Elokar probably is... There would be some part of him that would be comforted by his paranoia being confirmed. But the phrase like, oh, did you find any evidence of assassins? And Helena responds... We didn't find much, I'm afraid. It's like, what? You're sad that you didn't find evidence that there were assassins? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does seem... Like, Elikar does seem to kind of be looking for an answer here. But uh, Dalinar is is vowing to do what he can to protect Elikar. I guess in the way that he he didn't protect his father. And... and as we leave this this part with Dalinar uh, up on the, the plateau, uh, we hear a little bit more about these visions, and they do seem to uh, to be something that would be on your mind, at least this first little, little snippet that we hear, uh, because Dalinar feels like it was a place very much like this on the, this plateau, uh, and, and here's, uh, you know, you must unite them, you must prepare. This, this does seem fairly prophetic build an arc <laughs> i mean with these not, storms not even that far off yeah <laughs> i do like how i uh i 
cottoned on early to the storms being important. And hey, Dalinar. Dalinar and I are both uh, attuned to it because we're both crazy. <laughs> well, that remains to be seen. You you at least both look crazy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and, and Dalinar is, is going to try to explain some things and then realizes that... Uh, I have been seeing visions in my sleep. I think they're from God and we should leave this battle is not an easy argument to make. So nothing will be said for now. I'm sure that's fine. I'm sure that's fine. fine. Your majesty, I, God wants us to go back home. Oh, okay. <laughs> God said, pack it up. Yep. Ship on done. out. We're done. To be fair, I GG. think missives like that were how the Crusades ended, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. It's been it's been done. Alright, let's uh, let's check in with Adolin. He's probably working on something important. Uh like how to unscrew up his, his girl troubles. <laughs> Which to be fair, is the only alternative to spending all of his time thinking about how much he hates Sadius. Yes. <laughs> Adolin has has three brain cells right now. They are my dad is going crazy. I fucking hate Sadius, and oh god, I screwed up with my girlfriend again. He's a simple man. I just I hate the Alethi nobility so much. They they don't make them. a good impression here. They really don't. No. But uh, Adolin does get some some business done. He sets up some some scouting runs. Uh, he doesn't think it's all that important, given the giant army that they have at their command. But uh, he he says that that Dalinar would uh, would want it done this way, so he's going to set up the full scouting perimeter and get all these all these reports done. And uh, while while he's conducting business, uh, Elokar and uh, and Dalinar are returning from the the plateau. Uh, we are apparently playing Assassin's Creed because Elkar just full-on leap of faiths off this plateau. <laughs> but he didn't land in the hay bale, oh no! No, he 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 just like superhero lands on the he ground. tanks it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Dalinar says, I'm going to climb down. And uh, yeah, we, we see a bit more of the, the group that has, has come along on this hunt against an enormous, powerful monster. Uh, and they are uh, dressed in comfortable silks, open-fronted jackets, and have shade-covered palanquins. Just everything you need to, to go hunting. Yeah. Uh, Adolin is, is thinking about how the, uh, the Alethi war codes state that uh, you should be in uniform, you should be ready for battle, and literally nobody cares about this except Dalinar, and therefore the people who Dalinar can tell what to do. <laughs> As they uh, they regroup and and continue on with the uh, the hunting preparations, uh, Adolin gets to deliver the uh, the scouting report. Uh, Alucar also doesn't really think that this is this is necessary, uh, and Dalinar points out, you know, we are at war, we are in disputed territory, we should be cautious. And uh, when when Alucar wants to charge on ahead with just the shard bearers. Dalinar, I think, points out very rightfully, we did bring an entire army, and it would be very silly to just leave them behind. <laughs> but they are going to take a break while the, the army is uh, is moving. So we, we get some time to kind of rest and, and relax. 
uh, we get what I think is the the funniest note in the Adolin's relationship drama saga for this chapter, uh, which is that Dalinar is like three people behind in who Adolin is <laughs> dating. It's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, who's this new girl you're talking about? What happened to the other one? And Adolin's like, that was three months ago. Yeah, this is another instance of we are on a completely different world with new ecosystems and creatures and there's massive wars happening and this just feels very real of the dad being like what was your friend's name again that one yeah. you told me five stories about <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, no not that one i don't remember this is the first time you're ever telling me about this person <laughs> there is a point where um there's a, a a specific one of my friends who is very visibly queer and i was playing that game with my dad of trying to match names to faces and i was like oh this person has the red hair this person has uh you know glasses this person's the gay one and dad was like i, I didn't i wasn't i didn't I, I was like dad i could say it it's okay <laughs> there was a a story i i heard online someone was was talking about uh, when when he and some of his high school friends hung out a lot uh, and he was I think he was waiting for like a Greyhound bus or something S something very like you don't really interact with the other people around uh, but there was a there was a girl there he recognized because she worked at a subway nearby that they would go to and get sandwiches from all the time and they were they had both kind of looked at each other like I think I recognize you I think I know who you are but you're not like a good friend um <laughs> And they, they finally, one of them said hi, um, and and he said, yeah, you, you work at the subway on, on whatever street, right? I'm there all the time with my friends. Uh, and she wasn't, wasn't recognizing him. Uh, and then he said, uh, I'm friends with the tall one and the loud one. And she said, oh, yeah, of course. Yep, you three. <laughs> Is he a sitcom protagonist? <laughs> Perhaps. So yeah, while we're uh, while we're trying to prepare for the the hunt, uh, Delinar does seem to have a a pretty good read on how this this situation is is going. He says that you know, the the king the king needs to kind of prove himself, and this is a, a good way to do it. He can he can lead this expedition. There can be a battle. It will the high princes will see it. It'll be you know, triumphant and all that, and. Adolin, this is this is the this is the Dalinar that he's known before. This is a you know a, a successful general, you know, well well regarded on the battlefield, all that, and and it's it's quite a contrast from the the kind of rumors of Dalinar is losing his mind. And then there's the the extra wrench in the works of Dalinar thinking to himself out loud, "How can I convince the king to leave this battle?" Which is Kind of the exact opposite of what the Alethi, I guess, should be doing. Yeah, it's some jarring juxtaposition right there. I love that insight from Dalinar of how how can Elhokar be so, like, maverick and reckless on the daytime and also be super paranoid. Um, it's really good. I don't know, it's like, it was like a little mini mystery within this one chapter of, like, that's that feels weirdly inconsistent. And Dalinar goes, no, if you see it in this particular way, it makes perfect sense why he would be like that. Um, and yeah, very much it, not only is it a cool answer to that little mini mystery of what is Elohokar's deal, it also, I think, successively shows that like, yeah, Dalinar's 
pretty smart. He's pretty wise and he knows how to read people pretty well. And I don't know. It's, it's cool. Yeah. I think this chapter does a really good job of like speed running your introduction to most of the colons. We haven't seen much of Renarin yet. They, they perhaps get a little heavy handed with Adeline's uh, tangled <laughs> love life, but you know, we're meeting a lot of people and building a family tree. And I think Brandon does a really good job of, of giving you the building blocks right away. Yeah. All I know is wealth and prestige are what being a lefty is about. Hell yeah. Which is, you love I'm, it. I love that character type. My favorite <laughs> archetype, the rich asshole. Yeah. I mean, we, we were talking about how the, uh, they, they don't make a good showing for themselves in their actions, but then also they just say it out loud. <laughs> I will say I was, I think Brandon kind of pulls an impressive magic trick here because I, I agree with Sam that like as a whole, the nobility here really come off as assholes and especially coming after all the Kaladin chapters, the idea that, yeah, they're worried about the Parshendi ambushing and they're kind of here to fight the Parshendi, but all of the like super high ups are really just here to hunt and apparently get gem hearts, which I assume just makes you rich. Um, and Kaladin is going through hell every single day just so these guys can gallivant around and do that. It's really fucked up and really makes you hate them. And the magic trick is, I still really care about Adeline and Dalinar already. Like I'm still rooting yeah. for these two specifically. And again, we don't get much of Renarin, but I, I, I like Renarin's vibe as well. Alucard's kind of interesting. Like, on an individual level, I still really like all these characters, even though we have the perspective from Kaladin telling us it's kind of fucked up everything they're doing. They really <laughs> should be a little more focused and a little more caring about the people below them. Um, it's it's really impressive how, uh, what Brandon accomplishes there. As the uh, the the day progresses, they, they keep making their way towards where the, the hunt is to occur. Uh, we hear we hear some more kind of Adolin thinking about what has happened to to Dalinar on how drastically he's changed since Gavilar died. It was I mean it was it was his brother. It was a huge loss, and it significantly changed Dalinar. And and this is now this is now who we have here that we're we're getting to know during the uh, the the progression here as everyone is is heading into position. Uh, we meet the king's wit, and uh, we get this guy. <laughs> what a weird little guy. What a weird little guy. It's just a funky little guy. Just the king's insult comic. <laughs> I do, I love the, like, a jester character is not new, uh, but I love the specificity of, it is, it is beneath the king to insult somebody to to stoop to that level and so he hires someone to do it for him yeah i love that and uh and he gets he gets right into it uh wit is apparently uh quite well versed in adolin's love life and uses that to immediately start mocking him about it <laughs> i also i i love the 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 dynamic of uh Wit is is making fun of uh, of Adolin for his his romance, uh, and then just goes, "Your lordship," to Dalinar, 
and then starts making fun of Renarin. Just nothing for Delinar right now. Like, Hello, sir. And then You're on to the next a bummer one. to make fun of. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Renarin is uh, is attempting the do not engage with them strategy. Uh, and this goes, I feel like, how it usually goes, which is Wit goes, oh, you're not going to respond? Okay, I'm just going to keep going then. Yeah. <laughs> and we also, like, we have we have pointed out before of how the Cosmere is relatively chaste, and then there will be random moments of Serene going, and we're going to live happily ever after, right after we fuck. Um, <laughs> and here we have Wit just going... Oh, I'm allowed to say whatever I want? Well, let me tell you about the foursome I had with Renarin and two other girls we met. It's like, kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And uh, Delinar's not a fan. Yeah, I like the, I like the, you know, this conversation wraps up, Wit goes to leave. I like the little addendum that he has of those who deserve my mockery are those who can benefit from it. This one is less fragile than you think him. I like the, this one is less fragile than you think him part. But Caleb, when you frame it like that, it is a little weird. It's like, what did he do to deserve that mockery? (laughs) (laughs) What's going on here? Yeah. Dalinar, I know I was just making jokes, but your son fucks. I just want you to know that. (laughs) Just pats him on the back and leaves. (laughs) And then Wit just leaves. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, now that, uh, now that Wit is going around uh, insulting whoever he, he wants, uh, we have almost reached our destination. Uh, the king is here. The, the huntmaster, Bashan, is here. He, he's kind of overseeing the actual proceedings of the, the afternoon's hunt. Uh, and he starts to, to discuss some of the details. They've, been, they've brought some, some bait that they're going to use to try to, uh, to draw the, the chasm fiend out. They've got some uh, some dead hogs that they can use. Uh, they're kind of like they're almost like fishing in the chasm, and uh, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna get the the chasm fiend up onto the plateau. Uh, they have grand bows, which are I think are very cool. They're these enormous bows that you could only actually even draw if you're wearing shard plate with its enhanced strength. Uh, and they're they're shooting like these enormous arrows, and so they're going to yeah they're going to sit here and they're going to shoot the chasm fiend for a while uh, until it uh, is severely wounded, and then they'll go in and, and finish the job. Yeah, we were making jokes about how they're camping and uh, not really hunting in a very cool way, but the specific detail of the grand bows, I believe, Justin, you referred to a sword in Well of Ascension as a massive fuck you sword. And these guys have massive fuck you bows, which I think is pretty cool. <laughs> it is it is pretty cool. I, I agree. Um, and, you know, the scenery here is great. The king's banner flapped above the pavilion. And a small refreshment station had been erected. <laughs> I think they have ice cream? <laughs> they have chilled wine, which is another point in the, hey, nobility is kind of fucked up. Because we had the chapter before of... Um, oh, Yasna's a heretic and she's still soul casting. Isn't that like, isn't that a, a blasphemy? But she was doing that to literally like save the life of a small child. And here we have presumably non-heretics using soul casting and they're using it to just make sure the wine is cold, which feels <laughs> much more blasphemic 
you know, if I were in charge, I think that would be, I don't know. It feels very uh, um, hypocritical. But consider, they could have Dippin' Dots. Oh, shit, I take it all back. <laughs> Sold in a tiny novelty chole shell. <laughs> oh! They totally would, you gotta, they? You gotta pay $2 extra for the souvenir shell. Yeah, that's oh, that's incredible. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the uh, the preparations for the hunt are well underway. You know, they've got the uh, the the chulls there pulling the bait around. One of them is uh, is running the wrong way. There's no bait left behind on it. That's not a good sign. Wait, what? Oh, dear. <laughs> and as the the close of our chapter, the uh, the huntmaster sums it up. Aw, damnation! <laughs> it's a Jurassic Park moment. It really is. <laughs> You're right. It doesn't seem particularly like a clever girl moment, though, because it seems like the monster just was not being super smart. It was just like, nah, fuck this. Got the pigs, now I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're not waiting around for this game. So, yeah, we will, uh, when we head to our next section, this is another chapter break that lasts about two seconds as we turn the page. Uh, so rest assured, we will get to, uh, we will get to see the uh, the new plan for the hunt because the old one isn't going so well <laughs> uh, but yeah that is where we will wrap up we had our uh, brief kind of detour uh, all the way around Roshar and then we met the Colin family and have good or bad things to say about them and the the ones they associate with uh, but we will we'll have to wait for our next section when we'll do another three chapters to see where that goes uh in the meantime we met a whole bunch of folks <laughs> yeah we sure did so yeah we uh we've been trying to keep up to date with the cast list uh we'll have uh we'll have some updates there i know i i put up a pretty big list for this episode although sam you said you had all of them but one so we'll uh, we'll go through those and then caleb I know you said you also have some some revisiting of the list you want to do. Yeah. All right. Uh, Sam, do you want to start us off then? Sure. Uh, so, uh, for casting, um, to start with, Ishik, I'm going with Troy James, I think. Um, he can play a little bit of goofy laid back pretty well. Mabe, I'm going with uh, an actress named Annapella Politaivau. Grump and Blunt and Thinker, who we've met two of them. Grump, aka Timu, aka Grump is uh Grump is Galadon. Yeah, Galadon, right. Um, I went with Biggie Langston because I'm casting wrestling folks. All right. Um, I don't remember who my Galadon was for. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't think. No, Biggie that's who it was, was before. Not, no, it's not. <laughs> Your Galadon was Aaron Pierre before. Oh, right. Well, too bad. It's, he's Biggie now. <laughs> he's Biggie. And the reason why Hell he's Biggie yeah. is is because Blunt is Kofi Kingston. I was I was wondering. Yeah. So I mean, we're going themed here. Uh so there. Uh Thinker, I went with uh Scene Bean or Sean Bon. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Scene Bon. It is Scene Bon. That is the official <laughs> Bon. Okay. All right. Uh, cause he's white and he has a scar in his head, but it turns out it's, uh, our, our good friend Demo. so. 
and for your reference, uh, Lucas Hedges was your past demo. Lucas Hedges, okay. Who, who is Lucas Hedges? <laughs> Googling! <laughs> oh yeah, okay, all right, sure, fine. Um, yeah, so I picked Sean Bean because I Googled actors, white actors with scars. <laughs> so I got him. Ahead of him on the list of white actors with scars was a uh, seal who is not white and is not an actor. <laughs> so, uh, that was interesting. Thank you, Google. Did you also get Michael K. Williams, who also is definitely not white? <laughs> yes, I did. It was, it was quite an, a, a great Google search. Very fruitful. Anyway, uh, Balat. I'm going to go with Evan Peters, who I'm sure I've casted as other things, but he plays a damn good psycho. He does. Uh, oh, and he's yeah. young. Yeah. Played uh, Tate in the first season of American Horror Story and put like a convincing characterization to a school shooter in a way that was enthralling rather than really heavy-handed and gross and dumb. So <laughs> he, he can do that. That Evan would be Peters. very cool to see as Blot then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wickham, I went with Freddie Highmore, uh, who's famous from the I am a surgeon meme. Ah. Uh, Wait, is he the good doctor? He I is. believe he is the titular <laughs> good yeah. doctor. Because he, he's, he's good at being sad, and the one thing we know at Wickham is that he's sad. <laughs> In some way. When I, when I googled Freddie Highmore... One of the top results is a a clip from him on Jimmy Kimmel that is titled Freddie Highmore on being pushed into a broom closet. I also seen that. <laughs> I just looked it up. <laughs> nice. Also, oh my God, he was Charlie in the Johnny Depp, Charlie the Chocolate Factory movie. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's too late. <laughs> you cannot, can't unsee it now. This cannot happen. <laughs> so Took, I'm going with Christian Calloway. I'm going to remind myself of who Christian Calloway is. Oh, yeah. I've, there's a couple where I'm, I'm like pulling up the Wikipedia pages for people I've cast because I was like, wait, who who was this again? <laughs> but, but I'm going with him. He's, he's described as a transient worker. And so I'm picturing someone who would look like a transient worker. Nice. <laughs> and Christian Calloway. Uh, here's where I disappoint myself and will disappoint you as well. Uh, Adeline, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Adeline hasn't made a strong impression on me for some reason in terms of in terms of him being a character. He's great so far. Um, I'm excited to see where he goes. We've got a good first step. Um, in terms of him as an appearance person, it's nothing right now. So he's also on he's that. one of the named characters for this part. So we're gonna see him a lot, and you want to give it some good thought so okay yeah. yes uh if it makes me feel better adelin was the most difficult person for this episode for me to cast as well i had a long time struggling to find out a good fit so i'll i'll kick around adelin a little bit more as time goes on i'm sure uh dalinar i went with graham mctavish nice reminding myself what what do i know him from what has he been he's, he's, he's been in a, he's been in like a several things that you might know him from Fantastic yeah. news. But you He's probably, been... my guess is you only know him from one of the things that are about to be named. I'm, that's just my, <laughs> it's just my guess that of all these things that you might know him from, only one you will know for sure. I respect that. <laughs> he was in the Hobbit movie. 
uh, he was in Rambo, the 2008 movie Rambo, which is your favorite movie, Beth. You're t- yes, and <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I think it was The Hobbit. I think The Hobbit is what. Would you like to guess? Actor. Would you like to guess which dwarf he was in The Hobbit, Beth? I did just read it oh, because no. I, I know that could have man. I should have lied about that. Just been like, <laughs> um, obviously Dwalin. <laughs> but I wanted to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, Dracula, uh, his voice acting as Dracula in the Castlevania series is another big one for him. Hmm. So, Graham McTavish. Uh, El Hokar. Not El Hokar. El Hokar. I'm going with Paul Darnell from Ahsoka. Oh, yeah, I think I cast him a couple episodes back in something. Jeez. I don't remember what, but... Let's see. Uh, Sidious, I also don't know. Uh holding on that renarin i went with asa butterfield okay who is a young actor who wears glasses <laughs> sold um. <laughs> <laughs> i know that name too which dwarf were you he was not a dwarf he had, he had a couple of uh, pretty high profile roles he, when was, he was uh ender like, wasn't he a kid yeah, yeah he, was he, was. Ender. he was ender he was in boy in the striped pajamas he was hugo from hugo um mm. yeah we can be heroes like the heroes from heroes the heroes from we can be heroes <laughs> oh god yes uh and wit fuck it jimmy carr we're going to insult comedians <laughs> insult comedians okay although that's a joke casting obviously um, honestly though i could see that he, he's skinny insult comic with black hair jimmy carr. as long as he Send as tweet. long as we don't hear him laugh at anyone God, yeah. All right. Yeah, I uh I like the uh the assembly we have here. Uh we do have the we're going to increasingly have the the interesting wrinkle of for characters that are from other stories, do you have the same actor play them and then does that massively give things away? But <laughs> uh that's a that's a problem for people who are being paid to solve that to solve. So we we will go ahead and cast wrestlers in the meantime. <laughs> yeah. Also, to be clear, I did not, as we said earlier, uh, I learned on this recording right. that those are not just characters. Right. Uh, yeah, there sure is just three question marks as one of the uh, people I thought I had correctly cast um, that, yeah, I have no one for. Okay, uh, let's let's go through your list of who you do have, though. Sure. Um, so just one first recasting. I am I, I'm trying to get close to the age ranges, and I think Kelly Marie Tran is a little too old for Shalon, especially when I found out that Nambalat is 23 and considers Shalon his baby sister. Like she's supposed to be, an amount younger than that. Um, so I've recast Shalon. Uh, I meant to look up how to pronounce this. I'm going to try my best because I forgot to do that. Um, Maitreyi Ramakrishnan, um, who is known for uh, Never Have I Ever on Netflix. Um, I think she plays the main character in that. Um, and she is early 20s. So she's she's in there. She's in the right age range. We got it. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, that'll also just inform the rest of the um, casting of her family. Um, which we'll get to in a second. But for now, um, I have Juan Pablo Raba as Ishik, who has I know him as a supporting character in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 
Um, I have Matthew Elam as Thaspic, who I know as a supporting character from Fargo Season 4. Always got to get some Fargo people in here. Um, as Mabe, I have Nicola Walker, um, who literally I just watched an episode of a show called Annika when I was home for Thanksgiving, and she seemed cool and good in it, so I, that's who that is. Um, I correctly casted Jaimon Hanso as Grump, because um, that's Galadon. I've got nobody for Blunt. It's not, there's nothing. There's nothing. Mm -hmm. I was wrong. It's not happening. Um, and then I guess I have Naji Jeter as Thinker, um, since that's who I cast as Demo back in the day. Um, all right. Um, next up, I have Siraj Sharma as Non Balat, um, mostly known to Western audiences for Life of Pi. Um, I have Nick Dodani as Tet Wickham, who I think was in the Dear Evan Hansen movie, which I know is not very good, but I'm all about <laughs> casting. Thank God. I'm all about casting actors who have been in bad things to try and give them a better shot. <laughs> as Took, I have Ruben Rabasa, who is most well known for his role in the focus group sketch of I Think You Should Leave. Um, as the guy who doesn't want a car with a steering wheel that flies off while you're driving it. Um... He's just he's just a funny guy, and I think he could turn a very dark scene into at least being darkly entertaining. Um, and then he gets stabbed. So yeah, that, that'll <laughs> that'll do, Ruben. Um, uh, I have Simu Liu as El Hokar. Um, oh. you know, charming. Could he could be a, a king in my book any day? Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, so I got there. Um, Sadius is described as being bulbous, but I cast, I cast him to have what a fucker energy more than the the physical description on the page. Um, so I have Tony Dalton, who is known for playing Lalo from Better Call Saul and funny goofy sword guy from Hawkeye. I don't remember the character's name, um, and Tony Dalton is very skilled in balancing the. God, this guy's really charming, and God, I want to punch this guy in the face at the same time. Um, he's very good at that. As Adeline, like I mentioned, I had a really hard time finding someone who I thought would be a good fit for this, um, but I cast Brandon Sue Hu, who I think is probably most well-known for being the like kid gang leader in Tropic Thunder, but he has grown up, he's continued his acting career, and he's also a martial artist, and I've read enough Cosmere to know that most of our main characters are probably going to be getting into some cool fight scenes. Um, so good to know he's got the, the physicality for that. As Renarin, I have Lance Lim, who is mostly known for the School of Rock TV show. That's, I, I saw some interviews with him, and he seems like he'd be good. Uh, that's, that's my thought behind that. <laughs> Before I came up with Simu Liu, I had an idea for Dalinar. As soon as I recast um, Gavilar, I was like, okay, who would be a really good brother? And who do I just want to see more of? And I have Tony Lung who I know from one movie, and that's Shang-Chi. He plays Wenwu, and that whole movie slaps. But boy, Tony Lung sure particularly slaps in that movie. And I remember watching the movie and being like, I want to see this guy in more things. And so I'm making it so he's going to be my <laughs> Dalinar. Um, and added bonus, so we know he has really good chemistry with Simulio. So that, that scene on the plateau is going to be, is, is be good. We know it's a, it's a sure thing. As... Terralar, one of the big strong soldiers um, who's uh, one of Adelon's uh, second or third in commands. I have Jinsei Shinzaki. I'm also bringing some wrestlers in here as the King's Wit. Going out a little bit on a limb here, and I've, I've already been bad at this today, 
but I'm casting Kyle McLaughlin. And to anyone following closely, you may say, but Caleb, you've already cast Kyle McLaughlin as a notable role in the Cosmere. To which I would respond, yes, I have. Anyways, as Bashin, I have Paul Sun Hyung Lee, who is known for Kim's Convenience and The Mandalorian. And that's all I've got. The Good Doctor meme reminded me that Daniel Day Kim is an excellent actor. Have we put him in anything yet? Someone cast him as someone. I've I he was he was another th- I was considering for Dalinar, but I'm I'm holding off for now. Excellent. All right. Uh, yeah, our cast list has expanded again. Uh, there's a, a I I know we do this as the characters come up, which is the easiest way to keep track of them. Uh, but I think it's also perfectly fair to say I'm not sure yet, and we're going to see this character some more. So we'll uh, we'll go back and and update those uh, when we can. All right. Uh, I don't know how this uh, this look ahead is going to go because we had we had our interludes, which are somewhat disconnected chapters, uh, and then we had one kind of big block of our first look at. Uh, another storyline so we've got some big things to start there and then maybe some other thoughts that were sparked uh so i'm i'm curious for uh for sam and caleb what you are what you're looking at from from this reading that we did well sure let's dive in (laughs) let us indeed dive in hell yeah hell yeah hell yeah i'm a carpenter uh all right so (laughs) <laughs> Starting at the top here, uh, Ishik, I think, is going to be forced out of the paradise of the wonderful place he lives. Um, either that, or there's literally no point to these interview interludes other than flavor. Um, and given that Hoyt is mentioned, and two of the three characters we've met already, uh, I kind of feel like it might just be a shitpost. <laughs> or like a, we'll talk about this in two books thing. That's fair. I think it might be that that the pure lake matters in book four of the so in short will it matter this book i don't think so okay let's see uh i think i hope i pray that the problem in interlude two is that shalan is going to decide not to help her weirdo hillbilly family and instead do a good thing (laughs) like why are you helping these people Oh, oh no i i would feel so guilty leaving my psychotic family yeah can i just actually go apprentice myself to yasna and like study interesting things (laughs) yeah oh my gosh so that's i that's what i'm hoping the problem is let's see zeth is gonna kill again i mean obviously but um is he going to revolt against the whole truthless oath stone thing break out of that or is he just going to keep killing? Is he going to revolt because killing is so distasteful to him that it's better to kill the killer than to kill? But if you murder a murderer, aren't you also a murderer? Aren't you killing yourself? The, the trick there is to murder more than one murderer. Then the net <laughs> number of murderers goes down. But you can't, you can't murder... You have to murder people who have or would murder multiple people because if you murder two murderers, but each of them were only murdered one person, that's still, you're committing the same amount of murders total that they already did. So. Are we tracking the number it. of murderees? Or I thought we were more concerned with murder, m- m- murderers. 
I stopped being able to speak. I think I think that the initial the initial premise is number of murderers, but I think in terms of if you actually want to make an impact, keeping track of murderees is probably more important, right? Yeah, possibly. This whole conversation is a direct word-for-word quote from Batman. That's true. That's that's right. <laughs> it's, that's that's the the most that my favorite conversation between Batman and Joker was that thing we just recited word for word. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, last one, I'm putting in a lot of us because that's what my notes have. Uh, so uh, you know how I didn't cast Adeline? I might regret that. Because I think Adeline and Renarin are gonna die. They're fighting a giant crab thing, and Renarin, Renarin, we know from the get-go here is kind of a puspus, so I think he's gonna die. Hey, he's more. What's the? What's the? He's stronger than you think. What does Wit say? He's less fragile no, than you think. Less fragile. Less fragile than you think. He's fragile, but not that fragile. <laughs> He is impermeable to crab claws. <laughs> this one is less fragile than you think. His skin is made of steel. <laughs> That's specifically that. Just the skin, though. Yes. <laughs> He's like a canteen. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. So I, I think uh, Adeline and Renarin, Renarin, uh, names, they're gonna they're gonna have a bad time. Is my prediction because we've got uh we've got our 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 good friend Dalinar here, who needs to have an arc, and he is looking at the back of the book. He is presumably the prince, the warlord whose eyes have opened to the ancient past, as his thirst for battle wanes. Adeline seems more interested in uh, getting the goyles, and Renarin seems more interested in being a dork. So I feel like uh, the prince, the fourth one we watch, is Dalinar, and he needs some heartbreak. So uh, his children are going to (laughs) die. The end. In this fight, to be clear. Mm, Okay. In In this crab fight. Crab battle. Giant enemy crab. And that's it for me. Okay uh we will yeah we'll we'll see given the the part titles uh it'll be some time before we get back to shallan so we'll have to see what happens perhaps there's an an opportunity for a bit of a change next time we uh next time we get back there uh but we will immediately get to see this battle and see what what transpires there so uh we'll, we'll get an answer one way pretty soon all right, uh, and then uh, Caleb, what do you think we have here? Uh, I know I, I can I, I have identified one of your predictions based on your cast list, but we'll we'll get to that and we'll see what else you have. Yeah. Um, so first off, I'm gonna start off by doing something I've done before, which is I don't have theories, but I do have questions. Um, the letter that starts off the epigraph here says you are now essentially immortal. And we also know from the Ishik interlude that the, the there's going to start being some connected dots here um, in terms of the Cosmere. And so I just kind of brainstormed, like, what what does it mean to be immortal? Because we know a couple different ways. Elantrians are functionally immortal, from what we can tell. An Alupharacomist can be immortal, like the Lord Ruler. Mm-hmm. And then also a Hemallergist 
can just get the powers of both of those. And so they could right. also be immortal. And we also know that the heralds apparently have lived for like centuries. It, centuries are mentioned in the prelude when um, Kalak is thinking about all the stuff he's been through. Um, so I don't know about immortal, but the heralds certainly seem to last for a long time and they can die and then they go to hell and then they get brought back to life or they survive and then get sent to hell and then get brought back to life again. I'm going to keep calling it hell until we get any more information about what's happening there. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, the heralds also seem to have some kind of um, their relationship to life and death is not the same as everyone else. So um, I, I'm guessing the letter is being written, but it's you are now essentially immortal. So I'm curious if like the power of a herald, I, I kind of touched on this. I had a theory similar to this last episode that I, I think I'll put like one one more single chip down on it of um the kind of powers of a herald can be passed down to other people um because the letter says as you are now essentially immortal implying that this is a recent thing that has happened but i assume that you're writing to a herald or someone who has heraldic powers but i don't know it's weird that's a weird epigraph it really threw me for a loop um Another question I have, at one point, Dalinar is thinking about things, and he thinks about the thrill of contest and the thrill of battle, and in both cases, thrill is capitalized. And I know Brandon doesn't capitalize things for no reason, so something's going on there. I don't know what. Um, and then um, my last question is, like, where are the Knights Radiant, and what's going on with them? Um, the back of the book says that they, t they turned against us, Although who us is is kind of unclear. And now it seems like it's... I think people talk about the Knight's Radiant. Yeah, we've had a couple um, uh, in the flashback of Kaladin with his dad. They've been mentioned. But, like, what actually is their deal? Where are Should they still be around? What's, what's going on there? I don't know, but I'm just curious. It's... I have so many questions that are making me realize we're still just getting started um, with the whole... The whole shebang of this book which makes me excited but also i'm going insane okay going into actual theories um i think dalinar is specifically getting visions directly from a herald um i'm curious the the way that the landscape is described it's specifically in chapter 12 feels very similar to the prelude so i'm curious if like they're actually near the same physical location um and that could be kind of helping the visions set in and, and um, give him more details he can draw from. Um, I'd be happy to be wrong because I kind of love this vibe of the king being a supporting character instead of either an antagonist or a main character, which is how the king role is usually seen in the Cosmere and also in most media, I think. Um, but I think Elokar is going to die pretty soon. I Maybe not in the crab fight. I think crab fight's probably just going to be not fun, but fun for the reader of, of getting to see these characters in action kicking ass. Um, um, but I do think Elokar is going to die in the near future. And then we know Brandon loves his, his political intrigue, and I fucking love political intrigue. So in terms of what I'm hoping for from the book, I hope we get another fight for the throne. I think once Elokar is dead, if he hasn't declared an heir, it'll be kind of a fight between Sadius and presumably Dalinar, but also Adolin might think Dalinar is not fit to rule, so he might also kind of throw his hat in the ring. 
Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's super interesting. Um, I think when Elhokar dies, Sadius is going to take Elhokar's shard blade because they've already made quite a bit of a fuss that Sadius does not have one yet. Um, so I think that's where he'll get that. Um, I think uh, let's, I'm, I'm going to narrow in on Sadius for a second here. I think he's going to be a connection point between Kaladin and the, the Colins of Adolin and Dalinar and Renarin because we know um, Kaladin is in Sadius's camp. Um, so I think those characters will meet because Sadius is a connection point. Um, I also think Sadius is going to end up being a, essentially a Straff Venture level bad guy. Um, where he's kind of an urgent threat who the characters do need to take care of, not because he's the biggest threat, but because he happens to be close by and causing problems right now. Even though there's like a more world-threatening danger on the horizon, the characters go, okay, well, we've got to deal with this guy first, because if we don't, he's going to kill us before he can deal with the bigger problem. Um, I think in the somewhat near future, Adeline is going to challenge Sadius to a duel, but he's going to lose, but he is going to survive. And then later on, um, Adeline will kill Sadius, maybe with Kaladin's help, because I think Kaladin also has plenty of reason to want Sadius dead, and I think it'd be cool if these two team up to, to kick this guy's ass. Um, any theory I had about Galadon being here is out the window, because I thought for sure he was at least with other characters from Elantris, and he, apparently he is not. Um, so I've got fucking nothing there. That just fucking happened. Okay. Um, they are, <laughs> they, they are looking for Hoyd, and I think I've determined one thing about the, the headers of each chapter. I think that Jester, uh, character, that's not one of the ten, means that Hoyd is relevant to this chapter, because we see that in the Ishik chapter, and we also see it as, um, half of the, uh, Herald faces in chapter 12. Which brings me to the theory that I believe Justin, you alluded to. King's Wit is giving me Hoyd vibes. He really, there's, he's just one of those guys who just shows up and is kind of weird, but you also kind of love him. And that just screams Hoyd to me. Um, Adeline notes that he is not a light eyes or a dark eyes. He's just kind of a weird, different thing. He knows things he's not supposed to know. Um, and we already, we can presume at the very least from the Ishik chapter that Hoyd is on the planet. Otherwise, those three wouldn't be here or they're like way off um, in their quest. Um, and yeah, the, the one like slight wrench in things is that King's Wit is described as being tall. And we know, Justin, you've said that people on Roshar are already taller on average than other planets. But also... Hoyd's fucking magic, so that that barely matters in terms of does the physical description match. He just feels like Hoyd. Um, if that is correct, it is very funny to me that Hoyd is like this master of disguise who's doing a ton of stuff, and yet he seems to so far only have two archetypes because we have seen him be a beggar twice, and we have seen him be a jester twice. And there's a weird lack of range in what he chooses to disguise himself as. Um, if I'm correct about this. It's also kind of a power move where if, if this is correct, he's being, he, he's being followed or chased or whatever by a bunch of people from other worlds. And so you'd, you'd expect you'd want to like lay low, uh, but then he goes and works directly for the king. 
yeah, yeah. there's like one one of his job at any given moment. <laughs> yeah. And also, speaking of being a beggar, I think a thing can be two things. I'm not fully giving up on my guess that the weird uh, beggar from the prologue with Zeth, who looked Zeth in the eyes and says, do you see me? I still think that might also have been Hoyd, which was my guess from uh, episode one. Because um, I think it also mentions the King's Wit is a fairly recent addition to um, the kind of cabal of people they've got here. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's that's what might be what's happening there. Um, very subtle thing, but it's mentioned. Zeth thinks about the fact that he hid the... I'm just going to call it the Moonstone until we get better uh, information about it. But the thing he took from Gavilar, um, or Gavilar gave it to him, actually, is a better way to describe that. He mentions that he hid that in Yedkevid. Yedkevid? The, that one. Um, <laughs> that one country there with the J and the K. Yeah, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah, it's Yag. Okay. But yes, he mentions he hid it there. And I don't think we know either exactly how long ago Shalon's dad died. And we also don't know exactly the circumstances as to why. Um... And five years have passed between Zeth getting that stone and him being where he is now and Shalon being where she is now. My guess is he hit it and then um, Shalon's dad trying to, like, mine, which would, even with soul casting, would still involve removing large chunks of rock, probably accidentally found uh, that stone and shit went bad. There were probably other people looking for it and um, that's that's why he ended up dead is he found that thing. Um, and where it is now, I don't know. I guess there's a chance Shalon might also have it. It's They've brought a weird amount of attention to her purse and how many glowing stones there are inside of it. Um, so it would be kind of a fun twist if she had it the whole time um, and just hasn't been really thinking about it. But I don't know. I think Shalon's father is dead. That happened because he found the stone that Zeth hid in Yakovet. Um, anyways, moving on. It was mentioned that Dalinar and Sadius used to be friends, but that changed when Gavilar died. Um, my guess is Dalinar resents Sadius for getting him drunk, and that led him unable to defend uh, Gavilar um, the night that he died. If I don't know if Sadius did that intentionally. I don't think he did, um, but I think in some way... Dalinar specifically blames Sadius for the fact that um, Dalinar was not in a position to help his brother when his brother was killed. Um, all right. Um, pulling up towards the end here. Dalinar keeps being told to unite them. The problem is, unite them could mean anything. That's a bit of a pronoun game we have going on there. Them could be a lot of things. Um... He's interpreting that as um, unite all of the all of Alethkar because you got to build a, a defense with your people and all that. Um, but if this is a vision directly from a herald, which I think it is, I don't think the herald cares about the specific country of Alethkar that much. Um, so I think um, unite them refers to something else. And my guess is in the prelude, we saw almost all of the blades... Um, that the heralds held put together. We had nine of them in a circle, and there was one missing one. So I'm assuming um, unite them actually refers to unite all of those blades together. And some cool shit might happen, or maybe some bad shit, but some shit is going to happen um, if and when they manage to do that. 
Um, I also, I almost went down, or I did go down and then realized I was wrong about it, a really long rabbit hole because I was like, oh, the Heralds had 10 shard blades, and now we have like seven characters who have shard blades. Does that mean there's only three left? And then I looked back at the prelude and no, the Herald blades are distinct from standard shard blades. That's not exactly what's going on there. Um, so I almost went on a very like weirdly one-to-one -one parallel with Attack on Titan of, hey, there's around <laughs> 10 of this specific thing. Can you figure out which characters possess them? Um, but I don't think that's exactly what, what's going on there. But I do think they do need to unite the Herald blades. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much what I got. Okay. I, I want to... I want to see some of these story beats, regardless of some of them that I know we actually will see, or some of them that we won't, but I think would be cool to see anyway. And uh, I I think ditto, especially for Sam's of uh, Shalon will go rogue and ditch the rest of the Devar family. Like, yeah. I want to see the story of her, of her like very slowly giving up on her plan to rob Yasna as she actually gets like really drawn into whatever Yasna is actually doing. I think that that's a story that I like to see. And so we'll get to see if we do see it. Uh, I hope we do. I feel like it's a much more interesting story than, Oh, it's I'm here to steal your soul caster and I will. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we are going to get to uh, get more underway with uh, with part two as we go on. Uh, or I mentioned earlier, we're going to be doing three chapters. That's 13, 14, and 15. Uh, chapter 15 is a big one. So we'll be spending, spending some time there. Uh, biggest chapter we've done so far in the book. Uh, but yeah, we'll get to see some more of... Uh, like I said, we'll get to see the uh, the battle that's about to ensue with this Chasm Fiend. Uh, some more of the the Colins and what they're trying to deal with. Uh, and also back with, uh, with Kaladin, who at the end of part one made a significant decision. And now we'll get to see where that is going to take him. Hell yeah. Uh, when we get started with that, you will find that episode at alwaysanotherpodcast.com, like all of our episodes. Uh, that's also one of the ways you can contact us. Our email is contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. Uh, can, uh, you can express your opinions on uh, Sam and Caleb's predictions like Beth and I get to. Uh, our, uh, our our channel always gets very active during the, the predictions. Uh, <laughs> during the last few episodes, and I, I won't say at what point, we've had multiple... Yes, that's right, but not until way later and not in the way you're thinking of it. So those, those are <laughs> those are my favorites, uh, including one that I think is our like a, a new record for offhand comment that wasn't really a prediction, but is actually like mind-blowingly true. So I'm going to have to remember to bring that up again when we get to it. Uh... God, it's so stressful when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> That one's going to be a while, I apologize. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, if you are following along with us, you can also check out our social media. That's Twitter at AlwaysAnotherPod, 
Instagram at always another pod and Mastodon at always another pod at kind.social. Uh, we'll have updates as we go for each episode there. Uh, some some creative works from Beth and, and Caleb on those. Wait, guys, we forgot to talk about something. Did we now, Fuck, Sam? what? Okay, so, so listen, Ishik, right? He's a fisherman and he's catching fish, but what's he catching fish to put in? The buckets? The buckets. <gasps> soup! Soup! Yo! We have to talk about soup! We, we almost forgot to talk about soup! I'm ready to talk about soup. <laughs> but, listener, are you ready to talk about soup? Soup talk. We're gonna talk about soup. Soupy soup talk. We're gonna talk about soup. I'm ready to talk about soup. Are you ready to talk about soup? Everybody look at me and talk about soup. We're all gonna talk about motherfucking soup.